statistic is that one out of three homeless people in America are in California. That's incredible. It's not just the weather. There's a lot of states with good weather. Sure. A lot of it's the uh, welcoming attitude and policies. Some of you are, uh, are, are excited about that. You want to be the place <clears throat> that welcomes those who've been screwed by the system or yeah. whatever. And a lot of you are horrified by that because you think it uh, has a negative effect on your quality of life. And uh, where, where should they go? Somewhere else. We had the pleasure the other night of meeting Vacaville Police Chief John Carley, uh, Vacaville, a uh, California, San Francisco Bay Area community, uh, kind of outer suburb along the the uh, booming I-80 corridor for those listening around the country and around the world, a middle-sized town, uh, but but uh, a pretty good-sized one. And uh, the chief is on the line right now to talk about homelessness, aggressive panhandling, the whole deal with us. Chief, how are you, sir? Doing well. Good morning. Good morning. And the reason we have you on is you um, uh, people feel that maybe you have stumbled upon, or probably not stumbled upon, uh, come up with, a, with, with some of the answers. Well, you know, it's interesting. The last few years when you start looking around the state, and Vacaville is no different, we've seen an increase in homelessness, and the population that continues to grow is affecting the quality of life. Vacaville, along the IED corridor, has seen this issue, and, and as the chief... The community came to me and said, what are we going to do about it? So it uh, it wasn't the issue when I started in policing, but it certainly is today. In what way do people say it's affecting their quality of life? When you think about what people feel from a policing perspective, they, they, wanna, they don't want to feel fear. So you have families and children coming to the downtown area, the parks, uh, areas that uh, you might go exercise and walk and be out in, in the business community. And as they see somebody who's homeless, the concern is: is do they need help, or are they panhandling, or are they uh, are they going to harm? Are they going to harm me? Are they, are they high they're... out of their mind and have no idea what they're even doing? Some are. Some some have serious mental illness issues. Some, uh, the majority of them, uh, have some form of drug and alcohol addiction. And the key is: is uh, who is program resistant? Who is willing to accept help? Who is just you know one day, one week, one month away from a bad paycheck? And uh, that's hard for someone who just goes about their daily life to be able to decipher. And that's why we took a different approach. Right. Well, and I appreciate you pointing this out, and, and it's one of the reasons you're on. There are a lot of different sorts of people um, who are homeless, um, and, and the aggressive panhandlers you see might not be homeless at all. And so you really need to look at this um, you know, on a more molecular level. Uh, I, I see here that, uh, according to recent stats, that about three-quarters of homeless uh, are addicted to drugs and alcohol, around half, maybe a little less than half, diagnosed with mental health disorder, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but go ahead. So what was the approach you took? What did you discover? Well, initially, it's it's not hard to, to look around, whether you're looking on Google and looking at resources that every community has. And there's a lot of resources out there, and everyone says, you know, I can help feed. I can, you know, I can help uh, with some the, the the social services. The counties often provide that in each of our our communities, and then it comes down to uh, what are the local churches, the nonprofits, and the faith-based organizations doing. The problem is, is it's not coordinated. And so, one of the challenges we faced a few years ago, and we 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 solved this, we believe, because we created the homeless roundtable, and it wasn't just a an opportunity for people to come and point the finger and place blame. But for those truly who are stakeholders and who are interested in the issue, will come together with the resources they have. 
and understand how to take resources and give a hand up and not a hand out. And therein lies a difference is if you think that you're just going to feel good by handing somebody a 5, a 10, or a 20, you just gave somebody more than many people make as minimum wage in the state of California. You know, we talked about this, you and I, the other night. What 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 happens or, or what is solved by people giving uh, money to panhandlers? Because I assume they feel like they're 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 making their lives better. I see it every day at the yep. first intersection Absolutely. I come to. And yeah. I always think, you are a stupid sap. My word's not yours, police chief. Well, I'll tell you that oftentimes it makes the individual feel good. When you think about... Um, the idea that the person getting the money or giving the money well both well clearly the person getting the money is accomplished uh, in a short-term need but so too the person who's giving out money there's a sense of guilt often you think of i have it better i have a roof over my head i have my life together at least i think i do and the next thing you know you feel better as you walk away because you help somebody who needed a meal but this this behavior just reinforces someone coming back to the same place and asking for more money. And it and it isn't coordinated and that therein lies most of the problem is, is if you really do want to make a difference, get involved. But it's too difficult sometimes. Sometimes people just want to give the money and move on. Would you go so far as to discourage people from giving money to beggars? I certainly would. The reality is is there are other resources in the community, the the nonprofits, the the idea that there's feeding kitchens and you've got local churches and organizations, the hospitals are the, the, the highest point and the most expensive place of entry. And so all these costs are pushed down the line. And so why give the money directly to the individual? Find the local organizations that are actually trying to make a difference and fund them. Uh, chief John Carley is on the line. He's the chief of, of Vacaville, California. You know, we we didn't even mention as we were talking about the quote unquote, the problem of homelessness. You know, the the needles and the dirty dirty campsites, the pollution the into the waterways, the poo. Ask any San Diegan about uh, hepatitis A and or the San Diego River and just all sorts of problems like that. The L.A. River also infamously uh, full of poo. Um, et cetera, et cetera. So, but you've outlined how you've got various stakeholders, people who are interested in helping, and you're trying to coordinate their efforts, trying to get them together. Then what happens? Well, what we have embarked on here is is we took federal grant money that we received back in 2016 under the COPS grant, and we actually created the Community Response Unit. It's a quality of life unit that will deal with the challenges that most communities are facing today because it's more than just crime. And the idea that you build a relationship daily instead of just respond to the call because the business owner has to deal with somebody who's sleeping in their their doorway entry and urinating and defecating and they have to clean it up, or somebody who is living in fear. And so they go out daily and not only address the quality of life issues, but they also enforce some of our local panhandling ordinances, anti-camping ordinances, that sometimes has received controversy because it, it comes across You're criminalizing some. homelessness. Well, some might think that, and, and you know that's went, this went before the, the state as a, as a bill back in 2016. The, the, the ability to regulate where somebody might sleep or lie on a sidewalk. But the reality is the taxpayers of, of most communities will look at this and say, we have a problem. What are you going to do about it? You're the government. I say, we'll work in partnership with you, but we are not the end-all solution. And so through the roundtable, we bring the stakeholders together and make them work together and ask a question. What are your goals, and are any of your goals having an unintended consequences 
of increasing the problem? And if so, how do we reduce it? And I'll give you an example. If you want to feed 100 homeless, most people would say next year we want to feed 200 because our goal-oriented approach in our society is, is we always want more. Set your goals that actually have the end in mind. And so our community response unit goes out daily, but they've established relationships with the stakeholders, and they build relationships almost like a case-by-case basis with each and individual that we know out there. We know them by name, so it's not just a call for service. And on top of that, we recently introduced a homeless care worker. So taking more grant money, imagine using it for the right reason, and going out daily and following them with case management, bringing the resources to them. So it's our approach to try and make it a more humane response and not simply just trying to move people along or arrest our way out of homelessness. Uh, yeah, I want to ask you more about the tools that you get um, uh, from a law enforcement standpoint, and, and, and some communities have them and some don't. And also, I'd like to encourage anybody, if you have a question for the police chief about this, because you're dealing with it wherever you live, uh, text line is 415-295-KFTC, 415-295-KFTC. I want to talk to the chief about taking a realistic view of this sort of thing and not a, a Looney Tunes, uh, wacky, super idealistic view, because that gets people nowhere, in my opinion. Um, and we'll take those questions and more. Vacaville Ch- Police Chief John Carley is on the line. And should I have a different attitude about people that are from my community that somehow ended up homeless versus people that are just traveling through and, and picked my spot because it's where they get the most stuff? Another distinction. Yeah. yeah. Stay tuned to the Armstrong and Getty Show. The Voice of the West. The Armstrong and Getty Show. With the police chief who just said unequivocally, no, do not give money to panhandlers, which I don't know how that word hasn't gotten around to me. It's common sense. Well, even Gavin Newsom was preaching that for right. the longest time when he was mayor of uh, San Francisco. Freaking unbelievable. Vacaville chief of police John Carley is on the line. The chief worked his way up through the department. He's a longtime Bay Area guy, um, knows the community very well. Uh, chief, we appreciate you hanging around. Well, thanks for having me. Hey, uh, just a quick note. I happen to read a column by Marcos Breton, who is a columnist with the Sacramento Bee, and uh, he's a, a very nice man. He, he definitely leans left um, on a lot of different things, but he was reporting on the Davis, California City Council meeting where they were trying to deal with um, uh, homelessness, panhandling, et cetera, et cetera, and he blasts them for virtue signaling and and refusal to do anything and deal with difficult choices and and um it was really quite a notable column now not to talk a, about a, a lefty columnist oh, who's yeah. blasting the mayor of a liberal city for being you're so far out there i don't understand what you're talking about well i'll just read you this sentence discussion on the issue began with most council members establishing their bleeding heart bona fides um, but not to address David California in particular, but as someone who has a compassionate but realistic view of the issue, how do you react when you hear, for instance, the mayor saying um, uh, ordinances against aggressive panhandling is, quote, criminalizing the homeless? 
Well, I, I would just suggest that in any community, and the West Coast is notorious for many like this, the idea that what is more inhumane, the idea that somehow that you're just only looking at one side of the equation, the civil liberties of somebody who's experiencing homelessness, sure, address that, deal with that on a very pragmatic approach. But what about the business owners? What about the community that is living in fear? Because some individuals experiencing homelessness also can turn violent. They have mental episodes. So the idea that you're only looking at one side and from a from a compassionate side, ignoring the other, is inappropriate. Well, th- yeah, where's the compassion for just the regular tax-paying citizen? For instance, I know of parks that the taxpayers spend a lot of money on these gorgeous parks with incredibly expensive playground equipment and landscaping that I can't imagine what it costs. But you can't go there with your kids because the homeless people sleep in the bushes and on the stuff. And so who are you being compassionate for? They get ownership of that park by being there. The the family with the kids, like me, can't go there. So it would seem to me your compassion is mostly directed toward the homeless as opposed to the family, to the children who want to play in that park. It's one-sided. It is. And so the challenge is, is how do you educate? And part of our approach is a three-pronged approach. There's an education component, there is an enforcement component, and an engagement component. And so the education isn't just to the public who wants to give a handout. It's also to elected officials, stakeholders, to say, how are we contributing to the problem and seeing it from a different perspective than just from an empathy problem? Because it is a bigger issue. Resources with accountability says it has to be strategic. And in ordinance, many cities uh, along the West Coast and here in California understand that you can regulate panhandling. It's a First Amendment right, yes. But the time, place, and manner in which it is done, while it is protected free speech, I'm not sure how it is free speech You know, when we think of what the First Amendment is, but it is protected. So many cities that will adopt a panhandling ordinance are simply saying, we're not saying you can't, but you can't do it at the entrance where you're creating a traffic hazard or where you're interfering with people's right-of-way where they can't avoid you. What about them? And that's the other side of the civil, civil liberties issue. Is there an issue with, for instance, like I see college kids who get uh, drunk in publics all the time. That's because you can find them. They're going to pay their fine. Um, there, there's money to be made there. Mom and dad are going to pay the fine. Yeah, I don't, I don't suppose yes, you can, I am. I don't suppose you can keep <laughs> fining the homeless guy that's drunk in public all the time. So why give him a ticket? Well, the challenge is, is, so then what's the alternative? And so filling up the jails in the court system is, is not the answer either, and that's why a lot of counties and communities have adopted something uh, that I would call a neighborhood court. It's lesser offenses, whether you're a college town, whether you're, um, you know, you're a bedroom community or a tourist community. There are ways to deal with lower-level offenses because you don't really want to fill the prison systems with the homeless because that is inhumane. That's not where they need to be. So let's talk a little bit about, uh, you said, public officials who are actually contributing to the problem. What do you mean by that? What do you have in mind? Well, if you have opinions about what's going on and you're not willing to open up your mind to what some of the solutions are, and it's, a, it's more complex than just how you're going to regulate panhandling, There is, in most communities, whether it's a thriving and growing community, what's your housing look like? In the county where I live, it's a 1% vacancy rate. So it jacks the rates up to the point where people can't afford to live here. So somebody who's experiencing homelessness, it's just even that much more difficult. So some of the policies have to be addressed not just simply from an enforcement standpoint, but also what are you doing from the services that are being offered, 
the health and social services that are run through the counties so that you can get the chronic homeless individuals off the street and deal with them aggressively but humanely, but also afford the pathway to housing. And that is something that even here in Solano County, all the board of supervisors in the, in the county um, uh, mayors and councils met even last night for between three and four hours looking at a five-year strategic plan. And I commend them for that because that really is taking a proactive approach. I uh, We got a text from somebody who said, what about the tiny houses idea that a lot of places are coming up with? And then I guess the taxpayer pays for these tiny houses, and now you've showed up in this town with no place to live and you have a place to live. Is that is that an answer? Well, it is an interesting approach. I know up in Yuba County, Northern California, that is a project that they they took upon themselves is to create an area near some of their soup kitchens and shelters to say, what are we going to do with someone who's not living in the best of conditions? And to say, well, we're just going to force people to live like we do when they may have been experiencing homelessness for 10 years. They're not necessarily wanting to just step into my lifestyle or your lifestyle. And so being open-minded, the concept of housing first is often debated, but the reality is the statistics do show that if we can get people off the street and into some form of transitional housing, we're more likely to address some of the other long-term issues. But don't you just end up being a, ta- a town that attracts more homeless people they, 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 who, who figure out that if you go to that town, they give you some place to live? Well, and that is often the concern. Most homeless individuals stay at least more than a year are around 85%. So statistics would say that communities that would offer more services and it's just a free handout may attract more. There's no doubt about that. So the idea of having some form of accountability, it does change the behavior of those who are program resistant. Somebody who's just coming through and looking for a free handout and is going to aggressively go after uh, somebody who's in the community and, and demand that they that they give them money well, if there is an accountability approach, if you do that, you're going to go to jail. You're going to be issued a citation, and your your behavior is intolerable. If you if you combine that with other resources, you will weed out the ones that are just looking for an easy place to live. Chief John, whoops. Chief John Carley is on the line uh, from Vacaville, California. Are there large homeless camps in Vacaville, and uh, where do you stand on the existence of those camps in parks, for instance? There the the largest camps that have popped up over time may be 20, 25 individuals. Some some communities experience really, really large ones because they've they've been uh, they've been allowed to exist for a very, very long period of time. So they just continue to grow. The idea of a park or a public land or a location that belongs to the community um, is something that we have an anti-camping uh, ordinance. So it's not allowed. The the approach is is we're not just going to go out there and just rouse them all up every day. What we're trying to do is find a place for them to live or to provide services. The reality is is if you do nothing, it will grow. There's just no no way around it. And especially depending upon how a community is laid out, if it's your downtown park, it's going to be a problem because the city council meetings and the business community is going to come together and say, what are you going to do about it? Well, we're out of time, I'm afraid, but we hope you'll stay in touch. And if you have more successes or, or, or things that are holding you up, you know, get get a hold of us. We'd like to talk about this. This is a heck of an interesting issue for a lot of people. Well, I appreciate the time. Vacaville Police Chief John Carley. Uh, Chief, great to talk to you. Thanks a million. You're listening to the Armstrong and Getty Show.
bunch of interesting texts, as you could imagine, on our discussion of homelessness in communities with the police chief and what can be done and what has been done and the various groups that uh, see it completely different ways. Uh-huh. Uh, so we'll get to some of those texts coming up. But, you know, one of the things he said is, you know, it's it's very expensive to live here. And uh, there's a 1% uh, rate of uh, occupancy vacancy, vacancy right. for, for barns. Yeah. That's why I don't live a lot of places. Right. I would have loved to live at New York and San Francisco at some point in my life downtown, but I couldn't afford it. So I didn't live there. So if somebody else shows up in my expensive town and can't afford to live there, i got to provide them a place. What kind of system is that? You're showing up in some of the most expensive real estate in the world. Go Maybe. someplace cheaper. That'd be a good start. Right. Let's get the news now with Marshall Phillips. Well, i got to tell you, he's not letting this one go. President Trump continues defending his stance on his proposed border wall. Oh, for God's sake, really? Trump's remarks coming after his chief of staff, John Kelly, told Fox News yesterday the president's opinions have evolved since his original campaign promise about building and funding a wall. There's been an evolutionary process that this president has gone through as a campaign, and I pointed out to all of the members that were in the room that they all say things uh, during the course of campaigns that may or may not be fully informed. Now, throughout the morning... <laughs> That's being charitable. Yeah, throughout the morning, Trump has issued a series of tweets. The first one, the wall is the wall. It has never changed or evolved from the first day I conceived of it. Parts will be of necessity see-through, and it was never intended to be built in areas where there's natural protection like mountains, wastelands, or tough rivers or water. That was followed up by another early morning tweet. The wall will be paid for directly or indirectly or through longer-term reimbursement by Mexico. And then later this morning, right before he went to the Pentagon, Trump issued a third tweet. We need the wall for safety and security of our country. We need the wall to help stop the massive inflow of drugs from Mexico. Now rated the number one most dangerous country in the world. If there is no wall, there is no deal. And then he headed off to the Pentagon. We talked about that. Uh, we have some breaking news. Sean, you want to hit us with this? This comes from BuzzFeed? Yes. Uh, How reliable are they? Meh. Okay. And, and they're certainly left-leaning. Uh, Hungarian police have a warrant out for former Trump advisor Sebastian Gorka. Greetings. Hungarian <laughs> police? For what? A 2016 uh, warrant out for firearm or ammunition abuse. Uh, warrant was issued September 17th. 2016. Unlawful dying of a beard. Ammunition Some sort of abuse? firearms charge? <laughs> yes. I'm guilty of ammunition abuse in Hungary. <laughs> well, <laughs> Whatever he, that is. He got stopped at the airport because he had a gun in his bag. He forgot oh. he had once, but I thought yeah. that was in the uh, United States. Okay. I, I can't remember. I don't well, know. That is some breaking news. What? I don't know how anybody forgets they got a gun in their bag right. when they travel. What? I could see it. Really? I could see it. I can forget anything. I'd have to carry a gun really, really regularly. Well, before. see, that's the thing. I, yeah, I don't, but I could see it. I've done similar right. things. Turns out the value of Bitcoin's continuing to drop amid a huge sell-off and fears of a regulatory crackdown. The cryptocurrency briefly dropped below $10,000 on Wednesday. So, for the first time since November, it's back up above 11000 I believe, my. now, Sean. Are you checking your Bitcoin? Uh, yeah, checking my portfolio yeah, now. Check it's, it out now. Uh, it's a oh man, it's it's not good. Uh, Bitcoin is up to eleven thousand. Okay, over eleven thousand. Well, the investors are worried that governments are going to try to limit the use or ban digital currency, not backed by any national state. China and South Korea have been considering those measures. 
other smaller cryptocurrencies like Ripple, which Sean also holds, got No, I bit. don't. Oh, you didn't? The no, cheap, crappy you, wine. You didn't buy into Ripple? <laughs> no, I have Litecoin, Ethereum, and Bitcoin. All right. Anyway, Just they, more hit pieces from Marshall on I, me. I like the sounds of those names. I don't know anything about them. I'm not buying something called Ripple. <laughs> All right, uh, you just accused me of doing hit pieces on you, Sean. <laughs> all those uh, all those cryptocurrencies sounded like planets on Star Trek. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Well, here's one that is a positive for positive, Sean. It turns out that... All those currencies sound like a drug your doctor might recommend for your particular problem. Ask if Ethereum can help you. <laughs> it turns out that tea drinkers are more creative. Of course we are. Go a, on. A team of psychologists from Peking University in China carried out tests oh, on... great communists. Go on. <laughs> tests on two groups of students. Half given a cup of black tea to drink. And half were executed for <laughs> criticizing the regime. The other, the other half were given a glass of water. And then both groups had their cognitive and creative skills tested. On average, tea drinkers got creativity scores that were higher compared to the mere water drinkers. Well, okay, yeah. so caffeine boosts your creativity. That's not yeah, surprising. Not, I mean, that, that's a given that tea is better than water. What I'm interested in is in some sort of coffee takedown. Yeah. I need a head-to-head yes. tea versus coffee, because that's the that's the Capulet and Montagues, at least in my circle of friends. <laughs> well, the researchers at Peking University in China are going to be carrying out more tests. They want to yeah, see what long-term the... effects of tea drinking are. Perhaps yeah, good luck put, with that, tea boy. Perhaps <laughs> they'll put tea up against coffee in one of their upcoming tests. Yes. And one last note, the controversial new book, Fire and Fury Inside the Trump White House, which got widespread attention, is going to be turned into a TV series. There you go. A TV oh, series, not series. just a movie, yes. nope. but a TV series. No. Hollywood Reporter says Endeavor Content has bought the film and TV rights to Michael Wolff's book. They plan to adapt it as a TV series, which Wolf will executive produce. Oh, that's going to be some class A crap. Yes, oh, yeah. indeed. Yes. Introduced. Now, Marshall Phillips, the Armstrong and Getty Show, the voice of the West. We got quite a few texts you would expect on the whole uh, homelessness issue in our conversation. Conversation with the police chief. If you'd like to jump in before we get back, I'll hit you with some of the highlights. 415-295-KFTC. Some of you impressed with him, some of you not, some of you just uh, cynical that anything's going to be done or can right. be done. We'll take that. Yeah. All on the way on the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. The voice of the West. So we got a bunch of texts, as you can imagine. We just talked to a police chief, um, Police Chief Carly of Vacaville, California, where he has has had success on whatever levels you measure that. And other people are looking at him from around the state, around the country, saying, hey, what are you doing? It seems to be working. Mm -hmm. Um, So we got texts like this. Who the heck is this Vacaville chief? There's no room in government for a level-headed, reasoning, reasoning, thoughtful, well-spoken man like this guy. Uh, Yeah, his willingness to say, no, don't give money to these people. Yeah. Uh, I I like that sort of thing. I mean, that's closer to reality than you hear most of the time. Yeah. Uh, Well, it's utterly indisputable that a compassion-only, bleeding-heart approach to this problem doesn't work. It doesn't do any good. It makes it worse. Been in law enforcement for 30-plus years. Every time I hear, in partnership, my stomach turns. 
Um, yeah. Good morning. Awesome show as always. So question for the chief. I work with the homeless and would love to hear what his plan is to ensure a homeless person continues to engage. I mean, it's great to promote accountability, but my biggest hurdle is their motivation and drive to continue to engage and fulfill their end of the bargain when extending that hand up. Right. I'm sure, that is a problem. Sure. And I don't I don't know how you would ever break the, 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 this population of people that are on the street down. Drug addicts and alcoholics. Well, those are two different things, as far as as far as I know. Uh, I, I'm not sure you can have the same approach for those two different things. Mm-hmm. But but just for now, for now, yeah. we'll put those in one category. Yeah, okay. You got you got them. You've got the mentally ill, completely separate category. You've got the people that just are f ups. I don't know what you do with people that are just f ups. I don't know if that's one percent of the population or seventy five percent of the population. I don't have the slightest idea. The homeless population. Yeah, neither yeah. do you or anybody else. Right. Have any idea what percentage of those people just are. people who make stupid decisions over and over again. Yeah, or just don't like the idea of working and having to listen to somebody. Right. Do what they're sure. told. Right. There's that. What are they? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I don't know how you ever get anywhere and then unless you've you can got break that transients down. versus uh, citizens of your town who've fallen uh, on hard times, et cetera, et cetera. Scammers, a lot of the beggars are scammers. They sure. have a place they're going to live. They're going to drive their car to the place they live in with the money they collected all the day long from you because you think you're helping out homeless people. Right. Beggars are beggars. They're not homeless. They may be, but they're maybe not. They're beggars. This from a police officer in Santa Rosa, California. My department has made it so tedious for me to arrest a homeless person that I just don't do it. If I arrest a homeless person, I must secure all of their possessions and itemize each and every one item by entering every item into our computerized property evidence system. This is gross, unhealthy, disgusting, extremely time-consuming, and pointless, so I just don't do it. Wow. I refuse to take any homeless pe- people to jail for any reason unless they are extremely, it's a, an extremely serious violent felony. That's wow. from a police officer. Well, that's, that's obviously a terrible outcome. Yeah. Terrible, but I understand I'm not saying I, I like it or I agree with him as approach. Maybe you're just lazy, officer. I don't know. I've never done it. I suspect uh, I, I get you. I absolutely get you. But look at the situation you've record, you've uh, yielded with your feel-good policy. Look, I get it. You know, you're homeless. You all you got is the stuff in the cart. You get busted. The cart gets picked clean by other homeless people or whatever. That sucks. That really sucks. I'm not sure the alternative was workable. I think all you can do is not be a magnet for these people and have as small a population to deal with as possible and hope that your community can absorb it somehow. Here's a question for you. What if you have somebody, you got a coordinated approach like Vacaville does. you got all sorts of faith groups and community groups and, and bleeding heart groups and, and uh, people representing businesses and everybody's getting together. They're trying to solve the problem. And, and Joe Homeless over there. Three times, he just flakes. He just won't follow the rules. He won't do what he's supposed to do. He won't cooperate, blah, blah, blah. And he's out on the street. Do you treat him the same as, you know, mom who loses her job, has a medical problem, and suddenly is kicked out on the street? In Trump's America. Right. <laughs> Thank you. Um, to me, and like 95% of the population, the, the answer to that is obviously no, of course not. And then next to them, you got somebody who's mentally ill that couldn't take care of themselves under any circumstances. But the the compassion-only bleeding heart, say, like Davis, California, recently lampooned in the uh, Sacramento Bee, of all places, one of the lefter-leaning newspapers in America. Saying, Berkeley and Sacramento are laughing at you. Right. Yeah, no kidding. How would they answer that question? 
Do you treat those two people differently? Angry, druggy, I don't like people telling me what to do guy who's quote unquote flunked out of the program three times versus the mom who lost her job and has a medical problem. The mayor of Davis, California, I read that article, actually said out loud, I'm concerned we become an unwelcoming downtown. You're an unwelcoming downtown for people with jobs and kids and families who pay taxes. That's who you're unwelcoming to. Wow. And businesses, you're very welcoming to homeless people. Decide what you want to be. You get to in a democracy. But I want you to recognize what you are. You get to decide. If you'd rather rather prioritize the homeless and be more welcoming to them than you are for people who own a house and are raising their kids and sending their kids to school and pay taxes, you get to be that. But realize that that's what you're doing, you freaking moron. I'm sorry. I'm going to meet the guy in a couple of weeks. That probably wasn't helpful. Mayor Davis of Davis. Is that a rule in Davis? Hmm. Um, Mayor Davis of Davis who cemented an evening of inaction by promoting the canard that protecting pedestrians and motorists from aggressive panhandlers was, quote, criminalizing the homeless. These are the words of uh, very nice and gentlemanly, but left-leaning Marcos Breton. Um, And then Davis, the pinhead mayor of Davis, says, quote, there are some who are wanting to use panhandling ordinances for social cleansing, and I don't agree with that. If our intent is to make downtown inhospitable, then I object to that. It's inhospitable to people who want to follow the rules and obey the laws and be safe. That's who it's inhospitable to. He then mounted his unicorn and rode off to his candy castle. Uh, Hello, Jack and Joe. I'm an uh, F-O-A-G. Oh, friend of Armstrong and Getty. FOAG. And I've been listening for about 10 years. I'm a firefighter paramedic in a town next to Vacaville. Dang it, we ran out of time. I meant to get that on the air. I'll have to hit that tomorrow because it's pretty interesting and, uh, and relates to... Success in one town versus lack of success in another town with dealing with the homeless situation. Let's follow up tomorrow. In whatever town you live in, the attitude of the town is is in the hands of a small number of people. Unless you get really organized. Right. Which most people don't have time to do. Because knowing, though. you're doing that before mentioned working your job, living your life, raising your kids thing. Right. And now, Sleeve Boy presents Final Thoughts with Armstrong and Getty. He sounds a little down. I found Sleeve Boy under a bridge, actually, and hired him. <laughs> oh, wow. Gave him a hand up, not a hand down. <laughs> Here's your host for Final Thoughts, Joe Getty. He now buttons the little troubling button between my wrist and my elbow for me. Let's get a final thought from everybody. Hey, Michelangelo, what's your final thought? Hey, next time you're on Amazon, get yourself a bacon crisper. I got one for Christmas. I love it. They're about $20. 10 minutes in the microwave. Perfectly crisp bacon. Now, there is a tip. There you go. There's a high cholesterol life hack. (laughs) Positive Sean, your final thought. (laughs) Yes, I'm going to see The Phantom Thread tonight. This is possibly Daniel Day-Lewis's final movie. Uh, I will have a full review for you tomorrow. It's an interesting idea. I suppose you'll tell us about it tomorrow. All righty then, Marshall Phillips, final thought. I'm going out to stock up on emergency supplies of food and water and gasoline and copies of all my important papers in case the federal government shuts down. Stay on top of those alerts today. Oh boy. Jack, your final thought? Uh, Hearing the despondency of Sleeve Boy reminded me the UK has just appointed a minister for loneliness. They have such a problem with loneliness in their society that it's now a government-like department head. How interesting. The Minister of Loneliness. We'll talk more about that tomorrow. Yeah, we should. My final thought is there are ducks that live in our fountain during the winter months, and I love them. I really like looking at them. I'm like Tony Soprano. They mean a lot to me. 
I've noticed two years in a row, it's uh, one Drake with two lady ducks. Apparently, they have an uh, unopened marriage or something. They're polygamous ducks. Uh, I also noticed that they're as pretty as they are and everything. They crap all over the place. <laughs> but isn't that a metaphor for life? Is it? Isn't that a metaphor for dealing with the homeless? Isn't that a metaphor for about everything? There is beauty and there is crap. And you hope for a world with uh, just one, uh, you're not going to get it. The proper mix of a little more beauty and a little less crap. Well, if you want to have a dog, you're going to clean up its poo. Mm-hmm. You know what? Sure. You want to make an omelet, you're going to have to crack some eggs. And then clean up the chicken's poo. <laughs> Boy. Uh, see you tomorrow. God bless America. This is a historic act uh, of uh, devastating incompetence. I will not sugarcoat this. This is a disappointing day for us. Big mistake, but not too bad. The fun level in this room is at an 11 right now, and that brought it down. The ride is over! The time for the clowns and the acrobats and the dancing bears has passed. Get away from here. Get. Get. And we apologize for our stupidity. And we really hope you forgive us for what we've done. Thank you and good night. Because the show's over. What? Bye-bye. I saw everything. Armstrong and Getty, the voice of the West.